0: And we've been going through the parables of Jesus this summer as Aaron's been on sabbatical. And um, so we've had the opportunity to hear from many different uh, speakers. And um, this week we have the awesome opportunity to hear from James Carnell, uh, who preached a couple couple weeks ago or a month ago. And um, he's going to bring us the word this morning. And I'm going to give him a little introduction this morning. I think probably most of you know who he is, but I know there's some new... New folks here, and so I want to I want to give you a little introduction of who James is. James Carnell is is the uh, is the leader of the Hub Ministries in town, uh, which is a really awesome ministry. I'm a part of that. Um, it's a youth ministry um, to the whole community of Esses Park. It's supported by seven different churches in Esses Park called the EMA, um, and those churches actually support James, and so he is the head pastor of the Hub. And all of the youth pastors in Essex Park and those churches get to come along and support him and get to lead the Hub Ministries. And uh, the Hub is just an amazing, uh, just an awesome, awesome ministry that I've never experienced before. Um, we've been able to impact uh, the community, I think, in more ways than we ever could apart. And um, we've been able to to be in the schools, be in FCA, and... Um, and uh, be and just reach all of these so many kids that wouldn't uh, wouldn't step a foot in a church building and uh, yet we through our through the influence james's influence and and through different aspects through um, being united have been able to reach so many different kids and so it's been an awesome experience
1: amen well we definitely could use some help so if you are interested in being a part of youth how many of you would like to be a part of youth and come out and hang around with us and work with middle schoolers who are going through puberty and doesn't that sound exciting 80 kids crammed in a gym (laughs) you say how can you do this at 51 years of age well you sell the coffee yeah that's just one day one day and, uh, no, it is a, it's truly, it's an awesome experience. We, we love what we get to do, working with the students here in Estes Park. And, and it has been a really cool thing that God has done with the churches and uh, giving us the opportunity to cross denominational barriers and to reach students from every walk of life. A majority of the students we reach, uh, more, probably about anywhere from 75 to 80% are unchurched. That means they have no church affiliation, no church background. Most of them have never heard the gospel presented to them. And so they're getting to hear the gospel for the very first time. We're reaching about, uh, on our rolls, we have 122 Students in our middle school ministry. There's 280 students enrolled in middle school right now, so we're almost a half of our middle school that we're reaching and on our roles. Uh, we're reaching about 77 in our high school ministry. So God is doing us students some really cool things there with what He's doing and uh, bringing us the opportunity to touch people's lives in an amazing way. We got to do a missions trip to Houston, Texas, back at the first of June. Got to take some students down and do some ministry, ministry a street evangelism, a lot of cool things. VBS. Uh, And it was really neat to see our students just blossom. Many of them just recently in the past year or two come into faith in Christ, being baptized, and now sharing their faith on the streets of Houston. So it is truly an exciting thing. Now we do need help and uh, something that you can probably handle. If you can drive a van, we could definitely use you. We're going to start this fall picking up students. We're going to have vans meet at the schools after the uh, practices for football and baseball and all that. Uh, to bring our students to hub on wednesday nights because most of them can't get rides and they want to come so we're going to pick them up and take them back home uh, another thing we're going to be doing is we need drivers to take, a, like when we go to Water World, you know, to help drive the vans and to be able to transport kids. So there's all kinds of things. You notice the Sundays, we have Sundays on Wednesday, once a month during the school year. And that's where volunteers from various churches come together and they make ice cream Sundays and they serve our kids. Last time we had this, we had 80 students show up and and uh, they were just <laughs> slopping uh, ice cream like crazy. It was so fun. So eh, there's so many other ways that we would love for you to get involved if you would like to be a part. And the most important thing is your prayers. We would definitely ask you to continue to lift us up in prayer. Uh, as we minister to these kids, these kids, a lot of them come from broken homes. We're constantly dealing with a lot of things, suicide, depression, uh, abusive situations in homes. And so we definitely need your prayer as we introduce these kids most of them for the first time to faith in Christ. So please pray. And we once again do appreciate your financial contributions because we know Christian Church is a major sponsor of what we do at the Hub Ministry. So from all of the kids and from all of our leaders, thank you for giving to the Hub Ministry. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. Amen. For all that the Christian Church does. Amen. All right. Now, as I, I told them, they, they were smart. See, last time they actually started the clock when I was doing my hub spiel, but they can't say so, yeah, I got zeros on the clock. These guys are so awesome. That means I get the full time frame here. and You guys are going. yay. So, you know, preachers always joke about time for preaching. You know why? You know, because and, and there's a reason why preachers uh, wear watches. You know, you know what that reason is? None reason whatsoever. I'm just telling you that we never look at them. So they put them up on the screen and they show you signs. You have five minutes. Yeah, it's like my, my homiletics pastor told me one time, he says, Pastor, you don't have to be everlasting to be eternal. So, uh, so we will attempt to get through today. Turn with me in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to continue the parable series. We're going to be looking at the 10 bridesmaids or the 10 virgins, the story that Jesus shared. And we're hoping to glean some wonderful truths from scripture today that will impact your life and hopefully uh, set you on on a great, uh, exciting path in your walk with Christ as we move forward. So Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse one And everybody's uh, glancing at the screen, pulling open your iPads, and you're just ready to roll here with us. Now, I want you to, as you're doing that, I wore my Hawaiian shirt today in honor of Pastor Aaron being on sabbatical. <laughs> so uh, we may take a selfie before long and show him. You know, say We are we thinking about him and praying for him. I'm just envious of him, and he has provoked me to jealousy, but nonetheless. <laughs> All right, Matthew 25, verse 1. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven... Well, be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared the lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, When the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the hour or the day or hour of my return. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, it is the words of life. It is the words of truth. And we pray today that its word that you say in your word is sharper than any two-edged sword would penetrate to the very joints and the marrow of our being into the very soul of our life today. Speak to us, Lord. Let us hear what you're saying to the church. Give us ears this morning, Lord. Let, us, let our hearts be fertile soil that your word may be planted in and grow in spring and bring much fruit, we pray. Help me to speak the words that you would have me to hear, Father, and say and that they would have to hear. I pray, God, today that you would be glorified in all that is said and done and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, this parable is a different type of parable. Jesus is using what we call an eschatological parable. Now, that is a big term for meaning end time events. He's basically telling, talking about in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, the signs of his return and the signs of his coming. And so, in this particular instance, he's using a parable to, par- uh, to show us what that day is going to be like. Now, as you look at this parable, you understand that he's referring to a Jewish wedding. Now, for those of you who don't understand uh, and have never researched it, it's a very interesting thing because there are so many parallels between the Jewish wedding and between christ return now i'm going to give you as i as i told the group on thursday night i'm going to break a three-week teaching on the jewish wedding down into five minutes are you ready okay here we go so there's different aspects of the jewish wedding and all of them relate into the new testament and into the return of christ let's look at this the first aspect is called the Shudokin. and the Shudokin is the selection of the bride by the father that's when the father chooses whom his son is going to marry. Now, how many of you parents think that's a great idea that we should be able to choose? Don't you think it' take out a lot of heartache? In, in and I've been telling my kids ever since they were little, "Hey, you know, your mom and dad are going to pick your uh, husband and your wife, you know And they're like, "Eh, gross." And I'm like, "Hey,, well, you know, there's this biblical precedence here, right? And the shirukun was the, was the time when the father went and chose the bride. Now, it was a mutual thing as you look in the story of Sarah. And, I, and, and remember that he, she went and or they, uh, they went and to select her and she agreed to go. And, and it was a great process. So it wasn't totally, a, you know, this dictatorial thing. It was, it was actually a pretty cool selection process. And in the same way, the father has chosen us. He's chosen us to be his children. He's chosen us to be the bride of christ and then you have the ketubah the ketubah is the contract and and what would happen is the bride and and the groom and, and the father of both would come into and they would draw up a contract of marriage and in this contract it would basically state what the expectations are and what you would do and here's how you're going to be treated and 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 all of this and and in our contract today is the new testament You see, Jesus has come and he's given us the New Testament, which is the contract between him and his bride. And then you have the mohar, and this is the bridal payment, uh, and what that would be is, is the bride's, uh, uh, excuse me, the groom's father and the groom would offer a payment to the bride's father and the bride and saying, hey, we, this is, is our payment for you. This is, is uh, paying the, the dad for all of the, the cost of raising this daughter and, and, the, and the privilege that we have to take her as our, as our bride. And so there was a payment that was made. And what is our payment? It was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us that he paid the price in his blood that we may have eternal life and we may be with him. And then you have the erusin, it's the betrothal. And this was the process of where they would come together. And after they agreed and got the contract and the bridal price and all of this, they, they would drink a cup of wine, which signified a blood covenant. And they would take, and after that time, then the bride would, would set aside herself she would go out in public only with a veil, and she was called consecrated or set apart unto her groom. Now they weren't together yet uh, they, they The groom had to go and to his father's house, and they would build an addition. Onto the father's house, where uh, they would come and have their honeymoon, and 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 it wasn't until the time that the father said, "Okay, it's ready." When you when you got it, the father would say, "Okay, now you can go get your bride." All of this was was called the arusin. It was called the betrothal, and sometimes it could take uh, six months, it could take a year, and the bride never knew the time frame. Uh, she knew about when because you know she probably had some spies going. Okay, he's almost done. Okay. The roof's on. Okay, you know, it's got the bathroom finished. Okay, it's all, you know, it's all cool. All right, you know. And so she'd have an idea about time, but they didn't know. She didn't know the day or the hour. She just had an idea, right? And even the groom didn't know. He only knew when the father said, okay, you're done. Go get her. And that's exactly what Jesus told us, right? He says, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a mansion for you, for a room for you. And he says, if it were not true, I would have told you so. He goes, because one day I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna take you to be with me. And that's a perfect example of the Ereusen. And then as as the groom, as he would depart after the blood covenant and all this, he would depart for this period of time. He would leave the bride a gift. And it, sometimes it was jewels, sometimes it was gold, uh, usually it was some type of monetary thing, and this is what the bride would use to, uh, to support herself and to make herself ready for her wedding day. And what gift did Jesus leave us as the church when he went to be to the fathers to prepare? The Holy Spirit, yeah, you guys are sharp. He left us the Holy Spirit, the gift as 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 his price he gave us. And then the last part of it is the nisuin; it's the marriage itself, and that's where the broom, the groom would come, and he would have his groomsmen with him. The father would say, "Go get your bride," and they would then march. and Usually, it took place at night because it was always a sense of expectancy and 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 and, and un uh, and and surprise, if you will, for the, for the bride. He wanted to make sure she was expecting him. And so they, he would gather his grooms and they would march through the streets and all of a sudden they would sound the shofar with a loud blast and they would say, behold, the bridegroom cometh. And that would be the clue for the bride to go get her makeup on, you know, get herself all doodadded up, you know. And then the bridesmaids would light their candles because usually it happened at night and they would lead out into the streets where they met their groom and then she would go to the, his father's house. Isn't that a cool analogy of what jesus has promised us when now now you have a background for this parable so i want to i want to touch a few truths tonight that i hope hope today excuse me that hopefully you can you can glean from this because i believe that there are some things that god wants us to get a hold of and he tells us in there that we need to be prepared we need to be alert we need to understand the time in which we live So the first thing that I'd like to bring out, the first point is this, that we all get tired sometimes in our walk. We all get tired and we get weary. You notice that it said that while they waited on the groom to come, that they all fell asleep. All of the bridesmaids fell asleep. Now, there was five foolish and there was five wise, but yet all of them fell asleep. And, and how many of you have ever w- would just bear witness with me today and say, you know, in my faith walk, there's some times where i become weary. There's sometimes where, you know, I don't feel saved. Hmm, anybody? Anybody at five o'clock when the alarm goes off, you feel saved? The other night, <laughs> the other night I'm, I'm, I'm sound asleep and, and I must have turned over and my our new kitten uh, I, my, my daughter's cat um, decided at that time she was going to jump on my face and claw my eyes out in the middle <laughs> of the night. Actually, probably that's not, not what she was doing, but that's what it felt like. In the middle, I get claw marks in my eyeballs and I'm screaming, ah! You know like, At that moment, I really didn't feel saved. I felt like killing the cat, you know, uh, but I didn't. I withheld. But there's times in our life when we, in this faith walk, where we become weary in well-doing, we become tired. Sometimes it's a result of hurts or wounds that we've experienced in our walk. You know, uh, the church sometimes can, uh, can, can hurt those that are its members. Um, you know, I heard a story, I heard an illustration one time that said the uh, Christian army is the only army at times that ba- bandages the dead and buries the wounded. You know, we, we can sometimes be very, very critical and hurtful and judgmental and harsh with other believers if we're not careful. And and so there's times when we become weary in well-doing. We become, we become tired and we we've fallen asleep and we just want to take a break. We just want to go and chill a little bit. You know, and God, I don't I don't really feel like going to church. I don't really feel like being, you know, with all these people. And we have to be careful and be on guard, not to get Caught up with wounds and hurts and cares of this life that we have fallen asleep to where we're not engaging in doing what God has called us to do. Isaiah 40 gives us an illustration in verse 28. I love this passage of scripture. He says, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall into exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You see, even young people, even, even those that, that have been in the faith for many years, get tired and weary and struggle at times in our faith. And God wants us to know it today. And He wants, and I believe to give us this encouragement today that you may be tired, you may be weary, you may have fallen asleep, and you may feel like giving up. But God wants you to, to be encouraged today that He wants to bring you strength and encouragement. One day, uh, a few years ago, I was on a plane. Uh, getting on a plane in Panama City, and I was flying back uh, to Dallas-Fort Worth. My father-in-law had become severely ill. And I was down on business, and, and so I, I was taking this plane trip back to uh, to be with my family. And um, it had been a, a busy week, and I was kind of tired. And how many of you know when you get on a plane, the universal sign of leave me alone is putting your earbuds in, right? Okay. So, you know, I, I got on the plane and this was an early flight. I think it was 6 a.m. and getting on the flight. And, and I just was one of the, there's only a handful of us on the plane. And, and so I was on the very front row and, and I'm sitting there and I, and I sit down and I put my headphones on because I wanted to go to sleep. I didn't want to be bothered. And all of a sudden, this gentleman comes in, and he sits down next to me. And he evidently did not know that rule. And so he begins to engage me in conversation. And I'm trying to, you know, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah." (laughs) You know, he didn't get it. He didn't catch that, you know. And and all of a sudden, uh, the Holy Spirit says, wake up. I put him here for a reason. And I began to talk to this gentleman, and he began to just pour out his life of everything he was going through, of the hurts, and his daughter that he was struggling with. She was a drug addict and an alcoholic, and and, and as we began to talk, and the stewardess was right there, and and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just, you know, there's times as, as, you know, Christians, we just try to just do the minimal, but man, it was like all of a sudden, I had the boldness you know, of the Holy Spirit just come over me and I just begin to pour out and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I begin to start and I begin to talk about hope and I begin to talk about life and I ta- begin to talk about salvation and Christ and and, and the stewardess is standing right there and she's just doing this, you know, and and this guy's just doing the tears are in his eyes and I'm saying, can we pray right now? And, and he goes like this and the stewardess bows her head, man. And so boom, you know, we just been, we had church right there on a on the tarmac in, in Panama City. You see, sometimes we're weary and we're tired. But church, let me tell you something. Let's let's wake up and do what God has called us to do when He's called us to do it. Amen? And let's be let's be ready. Secondly, there is no such thing as enough oil. You know, this is the second point I want to make. There's no such thing as enough oil. Notice that, that both of them brought oil, but the foolish ones just brought enough. They just brought enough, what they thought was going to be enough to make it through the time. See, the key uh, about the bridesmaids is, is, is they always were expected in that culture to be ready for the long haul. That's what they were taught because they never knew when the groom was going to come. So they had to go prepared. And so the foolish ones just brought enough that was in their lamp. Now, typically in that time in those lamps, only about four hours of oil was in that lamp. And so most of them, it was, would bring an extra flask to contain more oil so that when their oil ran low, they could add more because they were to be ready when that shout went forth, they had to go out. You see... We need to understand that that oil represents the Holy Spirit. And we're called as believers to constantly be filled and be in filled with the Holy Spirit every single day of our life. You know, it's not like a one shot will do you. You know what I'm saying? It's an ongoing thing. Ephesians 5.15 says, so it says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word filled means an ongoing process that every day of your believing life as a follower of Christ, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you and to flow through you. You see, we're not a reservoir. We're not a reservoir. We're called to be an outflow of him, to be filled and to be poured out, to be filled and to be poured out. Jesus tells us that we're to, uh, we're to in John 7, 38, that we're to have rivers of living water flowing out of us. And, and you know what? To have rivers flowing out, we've got to have what? Rivers flowing in us, right? And that means that we need to position ourselves to constantly allowing the Holy Spirit to flow in us and through us to reach the world that God has called us to reach. You see, church, if God expected that uh, as Christians that we just get saved and that's it, then he probably would have just taken us to heaven at that moment. But see, he's called us to do a job, and that's to what? Preach the good news, to share the gospel, to reach the lost and the hurting with the good news of Jesus Christ. And to do that, we can't do that in our own strength. We need his spirit in us. We need to be full of his oil, of his Holy Spirit, to allow it to flow out of us. You know, so many times as Christians, we, we take that little mentality of just enough, okay? Uh, how often do you go to church? Enough. Just enough, you know, it can't go overboard, <laughs> you know. Once a month's good enough for me, you know. Once a week's good enough for me. But we're called to every day to get in his presence, to pray, to read his word, to be full so that we can be a reservoir, a flowing out water to bring life to those who are hurting. Um, I was preaching in a, in a church in Houston, or excuse me, in Dallas, Texas, doing a revival services, and it was a week long youth revival, and and uh, so we were during the time, and, I, and you know, and they can be really long services, and and so one morning we were, or one afternoon we were having lunch with a friend of mine, and him and I were sitting there and we were just talking, and and it was at Chili's, and I remember, and and uh, I, we're just sitting there, just kind of just talking about life. I, he had, we had played baseball in college together, so we were just catching up, and. And all of a sudden I noticed that the waitress just couldn't uh, stop hanging around our table. And, and for those of you that uh, really know that, sometimes it's hard to get a waitress to come to your table, you know? And, and so you're, you're, you know, you're constantly begging, can I have another drink of water? But she's just constantly coming to her table and the Holy Spirit just drops in my heart, tell her that I love her and that I know exactly where she's at. Those words just, boom, tell her that I love her and I know exactly where she's at. And I'm like, okay, God, she hasn't brought my food yet and she may spit in it, you know? What if she doesn't like that, you know? What if she's an atheist? What if, you know, what if, what if you know, I can't do that. And so I'm arguing, you know, in my head, you know, and, and she just keeps coming around and finally she just stops and she, she says, guys, what do you guys do? What, what is it about you guys? So she goes, something about you guys. She goes, I cannot, I, I cannot shake this. And I said, well, I said, uh, you know, this is my buddy. He's a youth pastor over here. And I said, I'm a, an evangelist and we're both Christians. And, and I said, that, that's probably what you're experiencing. And she said, yeah. And I said, can I, you know, so the door was open. You know, God sometimes has to, you know, me, you know. <laughs> so I told somebody, how does God speak to me? Usually it's, hey, listen, you know, come on, wake up. You know. So I mean, you'll get that later. Um, so I'm sitting there, and, you know, and I said, okay, open door here. And I said, hey, can I tell you something? I said, I know you may think I'm a little weird, but most people do, so that's okay. I said, you know, while you were just coming back a while ago, I said, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that He loves you and He knows right where you are. Tears just begin to well in her eyes and flow down her cheeks. She knelt down at the table. She goes, why did you say that? And I said, well, it's because I feel like the Lord just wanted me to tell you that. And she goes, you know, this very morning I'm sitting in my mirror getting dressed and she goes, and I stop and I look in the mirror and she goes, I ask God, God, do you even know where I'm at? Do you even love me? And she goes, right then, you answered the question that I asked God. You see, church, when we're full of the Holy Spirit and when the rivers of living water are flowing through us, we reach people for Jesus. We do what we were created to do as his bridesmaids right as his church we're we're making others know the good news of jesus christ number three we are called to trim our lamps we're called to trim our lamps now something you, i'm going to teach you all a little bit about candleology. i just made that word up i don't know if that's a word but it sounds good it sound good sounds good to me all right so Basically, what would happen in this age? so the, the candles or the, the, the uh, lamps were little round things, and then they had a little lip with an open end, and this is where the wick would stick out, and then it would come down into the reservoir of where the oil was. And so what would happen, and they used olive oil in that time, and so what would happen is that if a lamp burned out of oil and the oil was used up, usually the wick wasn't burned up, it was just the oil was gone, that the end of the wick would become charred and hardened, and the wick would become dried out. And so they'd have to add new oil into the lamp and re-wet the wick, and then to make the, the wick burn bright, you see, because it still may burn, but it wouldn't burn bright, you'd have to trim off, the edge of the charred edge of that wick. And then it would be able to allow the oil to flow and then it would burn bright like it was intended to. Everybody go, hmm, you learn something new in church every day, right? Okay, so here it is. And, and, and notice that as they, the cry went out, they had to trim their wicks. They had to make their lamps ready. And if you go into King James, it said they trimmed their wicks. You see, as Christians living in this world Jesus said, in this world, you'll have difficulties. <laughs> That's a great calling. <laughs> Praise God. Yes. Let's sign up. Okay. You know, it's like you know, when Paul got saved, you know, remember he told him to go and Ananias is going to pray? He says, and he will show you all of the things you must suffer for my namesake. Praise God. All right. You know, great calling. Thank you, Jesus. Why not? How? Here's a yacht you're going to have. No. So this, this life is difficult. And as Christians, many times we get burned. You know, we get burnt out. We get tired. We we get weary. And and, and sometimes if we're not careful by the cares of this life and and even by dealing with other Christians, sometimes we get charred and we just say, you know what? I'm kind of done. And to really allow our light to burn effectively, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to trim off that charred edges of our life. Those those wounded edges, those, those edges that have become hardened to the Holy Spirit in our life. Because there are things that we allow into our life that will allow the light of your fire to grow dim. We can have cares of this world. We can have loves of this world that will allow the flame of the Holy Spirit to be extinguished if we're not careful. So we need to constantly. That's why we need to come to church and get around other believers so that we can remind each other, hey, we need to trim ourselves. That's what the services should be about. Trimming ourselves, making ourselves burn brighter for Jesus Christ. You see, because when God is allowed to do that, then the, then the Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, begins to manifest more fully in our lives. There, there's even pastors get weary and get tired and get frustrated and get burnt. You see, I remember when we were on the evangelistic field, Jinder um, and I, we were a newly married couple and we were uh, traveling full-time and basically what that meant is we were poor. Uh, so... <laughs> In case you're wondering what that means is, you know, when they say I was a traveling evangelist, that means you were poor. You're trusting Jesus, (laughs) so so here we are, and and we. But I'm telling you, we saw many miracles. I mean, I'm not kidding you. During this time in our life, we saw more miracles, more signs and wonders, more things supernaturally happen in God's in the ministry that I can even begin to describe. And but it was also a difficult time for us because we were newly married and we were we were trying to have a baby, and we lost two babies in miscarriage. And it was a very, very difficult time for us. Now, and if anybody has ever gone through that, I, I'm telling you, we understand, you know, where you're at uh, and knowing that how difficult that can be, the expectancy, the desire, the, you know, and then to have that just kind of demolished. And um, so, you know, here I am, a man of faith and power and trusting God and seeing God do some really cool things. And yet, and yet we can't have a baby and I can't give my wife what she so desires and what we so desire. And that was very, very, de- and I began to get bitter against God. I got angry at God. Now, I know that's not a Christian thing to say, that you got angry at God. But I think God can handle that. To be honest with him and tell him that we get upset. I don't understand. And here I, at the same time, I am ministering. And I'm seeing people with blinded eyes open and deaf ears open and people getting healed and physically. And I, I, I prayed for this one lady who's had a barren womb and she had a baby within, within you know nine months to a year. And another one had just lost a baby. I mean, miracles. I'm talking about bona fide things that are just like, wow, cool. But yet in my life, I'm not seeing that. And I remember, I, I probably wouldn't have admitted it to you at that time, but I was mad at God and bitter. And... One night during a service, and this was during a a time, and God just basically wrecked me. (laughs) And my pastor, it was funny, we were up front praying for people, and and he just stopped and he pointed at me and he said, Brother James, he said, God's got something for you right now. And all of a sudden, I just felt the overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit hit me like a ton of bricks. And I hit my knees and God began to show me all the bitterness and the hurt that I'd had towards him. And he began to say, son, you can't hold on to this. And he began to take it. And every time he would show me that wound and he would take it, I felt like there was an oil that just was being poured over me. And just joy came and healed those hurt places in my life. It was one one of the most transitional, powerful times of my life. I left that service healed. I left that service saying, God, God, I don't understand, but I love you and I trust you anyway. I don't need to know the answer. I trust my good father. And I'm going to tell you something, church. Sometimes we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and take out that charred edges of our life. Do you remember what it was like when you first found faith and came to faith in Jesus? The joy Paul, uh, Jesus tells us in Revelation, he talks uh, specifically, should I say, to the uh, church at Ephesus, remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember your first love. Remember, go back to that, he says. Church, I want to challenge you. Would you allow your wick to be trimmed today and allow the Holy Spirit to bring a brand new refreshing and a joy of your faith in Christ? And last but not least, Church, the time for preparation is two weeks from now. No, the time for preparation is now. (laughs) Okay, I'll take care of that next week. No, it's now. And that was the urgency of this message is Jesus was saying, listen, hey, don't wait, guys. Listen, I'm giving you, I'm coming back, all right? And it's gonna be soon. And you don't know the day or the hour. So right now, while you have time, while it's still daytime, make everything ready. Get yourself ready and tell everybody that you can that Jesus loves them and that he's coming back for them one day. We need to be about his business, amen? Not getting in everybody else's business, but getting in Jesus's business, right? And telling them that he's coming soon for us. He said, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back. For we're not sure, I wouldn't have told you. So get ready. Tell everybody you can. Make every opportunity that you can to speak truth and to speak life. Second Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to close with this, says most importantly, he goes, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the word heavens by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out of the water and surrounded it with water. And then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And he says, but you must not forget this one thing. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like the day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He's coming soon. He's coming back for his church and he wants us to be ready and to be looking, to be full of the oil of his Holy Spirit, to have our lamps trimmed and ready and doing our best to tell everybody that Jesus is the Savior. Amen. That's the good news that they need to hear. So, Father, we just come to you today and we say thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this parable. Lord, that highlights in our life what we need to do to make ourselves ready. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be uh, children of of the Most High God, who, who will have our lamps trimmed, who will be full of the Holy Spirit, who will be looking for that day when you shall return. And Lord, and we will be about your business, telling everyone we can the good news of faith in Jesus Christ. Help us. To be diligent, we pray. Help us today to receive Your Holy Spirit in a measure that we've never received before. To be full, to be an outflow of the Holy Spirit to this world in which we live. We ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to uh, point out real quickly on your green card. There are some things that this week I would just like for you to do. All right, these are things that I want you to follow up. You know. Put your faith into action this week. Memorize Ephesians 5.18, the one that we shared. Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Also, pray for a daily filling of the Holy Spirit. Before you ever put your feet on the floor, say, God, fill me. Equip me today for what you want me to do. Give me the words that I may speak life to somebody. Trim areas from your life that are unproductive. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what areas in your life you need to trim. Hurts, bitterness, wounds, unproductiveness. Get it out of your life. And then make it a point every day to share living water with someone who needs to hear it. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much.